Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Schneider Electric Emir Goes Green. We are going to be focusing on energy. We have the big energy event next week in Abu Dhabi, ADAPEC 2021. We have one of my favorite journalists with us today. She's going to be guiding us through what to expect, not only with ADEPEC, but also the industry in terms of what is going on on a global level. So we have Jennifer Nyana. Jennifer is the energy correspondent at The National. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Alex. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. So let's jump in. Jennifer, we've got ADEPEC, the big event. You know, it's the, the biggest event in terms of the industry by far, at least for this year. What are you expecting for next week? What do you think we're going to be hearing about? I think it's an interesting time for ADEPEC. It's the first in-person ADEPEC since the pandemic. It comes at an interesting time following COP. So we'll, we'll, we'll be hearing about uh, global oil companies as well as uh, NOCs, national oil companies, m- making commitments and statements about energy transition. But at the same time, on the other side, we have oil prices that are 60% higher than at the start of the year. Uh, both Brent and WTI, they're almost close to 85 and could reach $100 in a few months if the tightness in supply and the continued growth we're seeing keeps the momentum. So we have two things and it's it'll be interesting to see which side of the coin the companies will will choose to 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 lean on. Will it be a transition focused uh, uh, conference, or will it be more focused on let's invest more in energy? We need this. I mean, there are supply shortages around the world. Uh, my personal opinion is it'll be the latter. Big oil earnings season. We've seen companies uh, reach record profits that they haven't seen in the last couple of years, and you know, Aramco earnings uh, have also been quite good. You know, on the other hand, we're also hearing calls by OPEC to increase production, to um, to increase investment in oil and gas, to attain future scarcity of supply. So it'll be interesting mix of, of both messages. So I love that point you made, Jennifer, in terms of this dichotomy, this mm. energy transition, the push. You know, we, we've seen this in the U.S. especially, how the U.S. has passed the infrastructure bill. A lot of that focused on, on green investments uh, but at the same time, also this push from Washington in terms of getting OPEC to drill and to pump more oil. It's interesting because it almost feels like they're, you know, they want to be green, but they want someone else to do the dirty work. You know, on the one hand, Biden came with this promise and pushed by the members of the Democratic Party that wanted uh, a, a greener economy and green investments. Uh, but on the other hand, he finds that in order to stay relevant to his his vote his voters he needs to have oil prices or gas prices as they would call it at, you know at a safe range so we have again conflicting messaging from the us on the one hand they want to take this leadership position at cop uh, where they want to be seen as reclaiming uh, a leadership role or a lost ground uh, under Trump, and they want to be seen as a leader in containing, in offsetting emissions and in, in, in this momentum towards net zero by the middle of the century. But on the other hand, at the same time, they're calling on OPEC to increase production. And we've also seen uh, the US government recently talking about uh, releasing the strategic petroleum reserves because OPEC. In their last meeting, they did not increase production, but kept it within the increment that they have agreed to for the last few months. So they've not added more barrels 
But the US has decided to take things in their own hand and wanted to bring on these SPRs. But it's unlikely that they would do because, again, the Energy Information Administration in the US has said that prices are likely to fall next year and there will be increase in supply in, in, in the US. So it's, it's not necessary to bring on these additional barrels, but it doesn't make them look good. <laughs> Let's look at the other piece of the energy transition, which is green energy. We've had COP26 still going on. It's going to be ending this Friday. We've also had an increasing push um, on net zero. UAE, for example, has put out its statement about wanting to be net zero by 2050. Obviously, this doesn't include hydrocarbon exports, but Saudi has also said it. Bahrain has come out and said by 2060. So how is the energy transition uh, shifting what is happening in the energy space? You know, what are you expecting us to see over the course of the coming five to 10 years? I think in terms of what the national oil companies are planning to do, they realize that oil and gas or oil specifically, which is their main export to the world markets, is not going to be a predominant source of energy for the foreseeable future. So they're looking to leverage the existing trade ties in energy for the supply of newer forms of fuel. So we've seen these pledges or uh, preliminary agreements from Saudi Arabia and the UAE for supply of, of blue and green hydrogen or the more easily transportable form of this um, fuel, which is ammonia. So we've seen these commitments and we've seen um, you know, initial shipments to Japan, which is a big consumer of Middle East crude. And there are also talks that Saudi Arabia and um, the UAE will look to supply this new form of, of, of renewable or let's say clean energy to India as well. So these are big consumers who are also initiating their own energy transition plans. And this ties in with their existing supply chains. In terms of emission, offsetting emissions, it's, um, it's challenging because Saudi Arabia plans to reach net zero by 2060. Saudi Aramco uh, has made the commitment by 2050. The UAE as a whole has also pledged to reach net zero by 2050, by the middle of the century. Now, both countries have said that these that this offsetting of emissions applies to their territory. It does not apply to the sale of crude products and you know burning of these fossil fuels outside of the Middle East. So that is challenging, and it remains to be seen how they will address this maybe in the forthcoming you know conference of parties. But um, in terms of what is actually happening from the energy companies, Adnoc, for instance announced recently that from January 2022, their power grid will be supplied by solar and nuclear energy from, you know, projects in Abu Dhabi, from the, from EWEC, for instance, and uh, from the upcoming Al-Dafra solar power plant, and also from the Baraka nuclear power plant. Um, and so we're seeing at least decarbonizing of the power grid. Now, so that is one commitment they've made so far. They've also pledge to increase the output of blue hydrogen, which is which seems to be the natural step for a lot of oil companies in the region, uh, using the natural gas to produce blue hydrogen and capturing the carbon dioxide. But again, the catch is the the CO2, the carbon dioxide that is captured is likely to be pumped in the, into the ground for more oil to be produced as part of a process called enhanced oil recovery. Um, so a lot of it, there's, you know, it, it's, it's not black and white, and these are small steps. Um, but I think in about 10 years, when these commitments to green hydrogen, Saudi Arabia has one of the biggest 
green hydrogen plants uh, coming up in Neom with aqua power and air products, when these projects are realized, we're probably able to, to, to very tangibly see how much carbon they've managed to offset domestically and what next steps they might take in terms of the use of the products abroad and, and when it comes to emissions there. Now, last question, Jennifer. This is the, the million dollar question. We're obviously going through an energy transition. You know, that should really be apparent to anybody. How long is this going to take? It really depends. Um, one of the interesting things that came out of COP uh, was India setting its targets for reaching net zero by 2070. And you might have seen the headlines. There was a lot of disappointment from uh, the global press about, oh, it's 20 years later than what the Paris Agreement lays out. But that is that I feel is a more realistic timeline. They will be adding renewable energy capacity, um, you know, significant amounts of capacity by 2030, but slowly phasing out more polluting fuels, and it takes a long time. So energy transition, uh, you know, it doesn't have one solution for everyone. And companies and countries that have been polluting for a longer time uh, in Europe, the US, they should be the ones to reach this target first. And I think for the rest of the world, the developing world, and also and I'm assuming parts of the world that produce energy to meet the needs of the developing world, they're likely to take a bit longer. So 2050 is an ambitious goal, at least for Asia. And, and I'm assuming that it will take a longer time to, to reach these targets. And, and I think that the EU, the US, they should really commit to a leadership role in this and offset their emissions so that the rest of the world can catch up in terms of development and then um, switch to greener forms of energy and, and also neutralize their emissions. Jennifer, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you as well next week at APEC. I'm sure you're going to have a very, very busy week. Indeed. See you then. Definitely see you then. And everyone else as well listening in, we hope to see you at APEC. Do have a safe trip down. Do you remember to do your PCRs? Do stay well and have a wonderful week. We are going to have another episode for you same time next week. Until then, take care. Goodbye.